daughter we're adopting. Um, uh, it was her first time ever being out in a blind in the woods uh, during a, a hunting type of environment and had her behind the camera and uh, boy, she laid some good footage down. Um, she had a, a blast. She's hooked. Now she already asked, uh, you know, what she, when she can start buying camouflage. So uh, the wife That's lost good. another one. So, and then the following day, I had my other foster daughter out, and uh, we had some does come in and that. But I was only, at that point, I was only after one particular doe that I have on Camel camera. Camel boots the last on years, my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb the Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to wiseeyesmartcam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use Wise Eye Technologies presents Welcome to American Roots Outdoors, everybody. I'm calling via phone. I'm sitting in my backyard around my campfire. I got me a bonfire going, and it's uh, the sun is setting in the west, and I'm sitting there watching these deer in the yard eat like kings and queens and uh, i know you guys are in the studio and i appreciate you very much uh the rut is pretty much wrapping up it's just very trickling very little right now here uh, i've seen some bucks cruising yesterday uh younger bucks healthier deer looking for those but uh none of the scrapes are active that i'm seeing wayne redbone uh, but it's just a very small trickle and we are into post rut pretty much I agree. I know my uh, wise eye pictures I'm getting that I have set up on my mock scrapes. Uh, three of the mock scrapes have been totally dead for a week now, and I've only got one that's active, and that's only it's only active with does. Haven't had one buck show up on it, yeah. but the does are still hitting it. Yeah, and we're going to talk about post rut, and we're going to talk about the upcoming muzzleloading season part of the show uh, this week. But uh, what I want to talk about now is NFL and some of our high school sports. Uh, the Chiefs, man, I want to hear you both of you guys' thoughts on the Chiefs game against the Bills. You know, of course, the Chiefs got beat, but, uh, you know, all I got to say is this. Discipline, discipline, discipline. You got to execute, execute, execute. Wayne? I I agree. I mean, uh, it, it really does suck the way it ended for them, you know, being uh, – the guys, you know, six, five, six inches off sides on that, uh, that, that receiver was a Tommy, I think is what his name was. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, the, the other flip side of that is, uh, if it comes down to one play, you didn't do well the rest of the game. It should never come down to just yeah. one play. And once again, and I've been saying this week after week after week about the Kansas City Chiefs, um, is you got to stop getting down. <laughs> you don't, you cannot let the other yeah. team get 10, 14 points on you every game and then have to do this miraculous comeback in the second half. That's got to get tiring, you know, on them having to do that. But uh, I mean, yeah. it was still it was a great game. I mean, I, I enjoyed the game. I mean, the outcome sucked. Um, but same thing like with my Steelers, you know. I mean, and and then yeah. it was what I keep thinking is, man, the Steelers how horrible they're doing this year. But then I look at the record; it's like they're only one game behind the Chiefs. <laughs> uh, they're, they're still in, they're still, yeah. in, still in the hunt. Yeah. Well, here's my take, and, and I'm going to disagree with one thing you said that mm-hmm. if if you do everything correctly for the whole game, it shouldn't come down to one play. But if you watch football, and I don't care if it's high school, college, peewees, many times it does come down to one play. Oh, I'm not saying it doesn't. And, and, right. And the, and the thing with Tony, and, and I've been reading about this and reading all the experts and listening to all the experts, and uh, they have footage, okay? There's video footage. One guy went in, and he did a study. He went back, watched all the games, mm-hmm. and looked at how many times— on film, you can see a wide receiver lined up just inches offside. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. There's only 400, 400 of them. Wow. It's only been called 11 times. Yeah. Hmm. So the consistency... Well, it all goes the, back the, to the refs. The, yeah, the consistency. consistency that you talk about has got to be with the officiating. And Alex, we've been doing this show now for, what, 12 years? 
That whole yep. 12 years, you've, held, you've heard me say, the officiating in yep. the NFL since the invention of instant replay has consistently gotten worse. Yeah. And, yep. it, and, and, and I'm not saying Tony was offside. Right. But at every level of football, wide receivers, and they've got video footage now of Tony asking a side judge, am I okay here? Side judge gave me yes. Ten seconds later, he threw the flag. Ooh. So, yeah. you know, and that and that, that happens in mm-hmm. junior high, high school. I played wide receiver. You line up, yeah. you point to the side judge, say, am I okay? He gives you a thumbs up yep. or he gives you a thumb down or, or motions you backwards. Right. And you back up. Yep. It's done on yeah. every play in the NFL. Tommy did, Tommy did not do that. Well, there's video out today that shows that he did. So oh, he did. There's conflicting, oh, wow. conflicting reports. So that, but that's Chiefs didn't play well early in the game. They yeah. got behind again. They had to come back. They had the fortitude. Uh, I'm really hating that people are hating on Patrick Mahomes for exploding after the game. I would have too. It's about time yeah, somebody yeah. show some, emotion. some passion yeah. and some emotion on that football team because for the last six weeks, they have been emotionless. Yeah. yeah. yeah we talked about that You're just right. two weeks ago, that they just, a lot of standing around. A lot no, of standing around, no cheering no for cheering each other. No cheering for each other. People sitting Kelsey, on the bench. Travis Kelsey sitting on the bench by himself. Patrick Mahomes sitting over the bench by himself. Andy Reid yeah. not talking to either one of them. And wide receivers. You know, it's, yeah. there's, it doesn't seem like there's any unity right. on this team right now. So maybe... Maybe this was the point where they went to the locker room, they had a come-to-Jesus meeting, and they can turn it around. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it takes hey, some before like we that. go to a break, let me mention a couple of things. Uh, man, we got some great high school basketball teams in our listening areas from Cape Girada, uh, southern Illinois, plumb into northern Arkansas, plumb into Springfield, Rolla, up in that area. But uh, Alton, Missouri's got a great team this year. Thayer is dominating. Uh, just a lot of good teams. I can't wait to go watch them. I'm going to come down Thursday night and watch them play at Mammoth Springs. Uh, but uh, just want to give a shout out to all these students that's playing basketball, girls and guys. Uh, my hats off to y'all and keep up the good work. Yeah. yeah it is that time of year, and they, they are playing good. Like you said, they're uh, Thayer's just they just seem to be really dominating everybody that they're. They are. It, it, yeah. It's yeah. almost like they're they flip the, the switch themselves. You know, I think they've they've come together early enough to say this is who we are. Now try and beat us. Well, it was expected. Yeah. I mean, you know, after two straight years of going to the final four, mm-hmm. and and every back everybody back again this year, it's expected. Right. Those kids are playing under yeah. a lot of pressure, and don't think that they're not. Right. Because everybody thinks that this team is good enough to challenge for a state championship. Folks over at New Madrid County that. Central, uh, they will doubt that. And they may be some of those folks over there, New Madrid County Central. The defending state champions and got their two stud players back, including Jardis Jones, who is a man among boys when he's on the floor playing. I mean, the guys yeah. plays high school basketball. He's six nine. He's already signed Division One to play football as a defensive end. Oh my! Wow! Yeah. And and getting all the guys back this year. I mean that that was huge. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's not going like you're going and you lost. You know, six of your seniors starters, and you're starting all over again. Yeah. And they still only got yeah. two seniors that they'll lose this year. Starters. Oh, wow. <laughs> Young. Yeah, Thayer, I like that. I'll say it again, then we're going to go to a break, but Thayer is the team to beat. Uh, I think they're going to be the outstanding team in our area, for sure. Yeah. Everybody, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a very small trickle of the rut, but the post-rut, hunting techniques and strategies, and we're going to talk about upcoming muzzleloading throughout this show. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hey, folks, it's Richard Young with the Kentucky Headhunters down here in Southern Kentucky. You're just listening to American Roots Radio with Alec Rutledge right down here from Kentucky, but he's out yonder somewhere else. He's way out there. Y'all check it out. Hunting off the farm, wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while. Load him in the back of my truck. We can take it to a holler. 
Hey, Redbone, did you hear about that new deer feed? What new deer feed? Hey, Buck Grits, boys. You ain't heard of that yet? Buck Grits. Buckgrits.com. Well, tell us about it. What makes it better than any other deer feed? Well, Buck Grits has got the protein a deer needs. It's got the fat a deer needs. It's got the amino acids. It's got the energy. It's got it all, brother. It's going to well, bring them back after the rut, and it's going to put a rack on their head. And it's going to help the lactating doe, I assume, too, after they have the fawns. That's right. Keep the fawns going and get them for the next crop. Well, where can I get Buck Grits? buckgrits.com you can get a sample you can order it directly from the website and we're coming to a retailer near you if you want to help a deer herd use buck grits across the creek up a big old hill year after year the ammunition presents welcome back to american roots outdoor segment two of our show Again, I'm sitting around a, a bonfire here in my backyard. I'm watching deer eat in the yard, and it's getting darker as we talk here. And we just talked about sports, and now we're going to talk about some constitutional rights and things that's going on in America right now. Our President Biden has proposed a new gun bill, and his new gun bill is categorizing anybody that buys a gun to sell a gun would be called a dealer and they're trying to make strict rules wayne redbone to anybody that buys and sells guns uh they're doing everything they can to try to to affect the second amendment your thoughts redbone wayne um my actually i'm going to ask a question real quick on that is it a certain number of guns that you have to do like in a one-year time is it like well if you do 10 or more or is it if you sell one gun then boom you're a dealer do you happen to know one gun one gun, if you make for profit, you're called a dealer. Oh, jeez. Well, you know, yep. I mean, is anybody shocked? I mean, I'll go with that. Is anybody <laughs> really shocked that they're going to try and do that? No. Well, it'll and it'll and it'll never pass. Right. And they propose it, but and I haven't seen that. I don't know anything about it, other than what you just said, Alex. So uh, I'll pass judgment. But I, you know, Republicans and Democrats, they all know people that own guns. Most of them do, and they might want to sell one. And they don't want to have to become a dealer. So, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. see even that having a snowball chance of ever becoming anything. And you wonder why they would to go to such an extreme on the proposal, you know, one gun. I mean, I could say, I could see like, uh, you know, they got similar things right now He's where if you to. sell so many, then you have to get a dealership license. Right. Um, but, I mean, one. Trying, trying to pacify some of his support from the left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're awake. We're not woke. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on, uh, if anybody wants to learn more about this new bill he's trying to propose, and he's proposing, you can go to NRA. You can go to the social media and read some of their posts and their information on that. Moving on, here it is. It's trickling a little bit of the rut. I'm not seeing any active scrapes. Uh, I'm actually seeing some deers coming in to eat in the yard here. It's only got one antler on one side, guys. And, and the bucks that's coming in the yard are bucks I've never seen before. I've never had on my wise eye data camps. Yeah. So these deer are coming looking for food. And uh, if you've got food, you're going to have deer. And uh, I'm going to make a prediction. I may have said it earlier in the other shows. You know, we did not have no acorn crop here in Shannon County that I've seen in my area. And if you don't have food plots and you're not helping these deer through the winter and these turkeys, uh, I think we're going to see a loss. And some of these animals. Right, so, Alex, my question is, uh, from, from your statement there, with the deer coming in with only one antler, do you think they're shedding antlers already, or are you, the antlers I, have been I knocked do. off? You think they're already shedding? I do. Hmm. And what happens is, the reason they shed so early like that, according to studies of biologists, uh, stress. Stress on these deer. If they've rutted really hard, and they did not have enough food source, the right food source within their systems, uh, their immunity and they're, they're, they're weaker in a sense. So they drop their antlers earlier than deer that are healthier. Last year, Wayne and I had deer carrying antlers plumb into March, didn't we, Wayne? Sure did. Yeah, we got a few, we, we, we had a, a few bucks in, yeah. in early March that were still carrying a full rack. Hmm. Yeah. So when you're feeding buck grits, we're going to give them a plug. You're feeding buck grits, you're helping these deer stay healthy. Uh, the thing that MDC worries about 
is that the deer, if you feed too much, they become dependent only on that food. So <laughs> we don't try to overfeed them here on my farm or Wayne's farm. We just feed them enough to, to get them to come in so we can monitor them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also dependent on uh, any mass crop that may be left or any uh, uh, food plots that's out there. So these deer here that's coming in my yard, they're not dependent only on my feed that I'm feeding bug grits. Right. Yeah. And we talked so about that in the, the, the last couple shows that now that the post-rut is going on, that that's where you're going to find the deer. They're trying to get their strength back and their their performance back. Um, uh, or not performance, I'm sorry, but their uh, uh, their strength and their uh, mm-hmm. stamina. stamina. Thank you. Um, you know, back yeah. for, you know, for those that are interested in doing the second rut that, you know, uh, that was coming in December here. That's where you're going to find them. I mean, if you're if you're hunting now, yeah. you need to be out of the woods and onto the food, the food sources. Yeah, one hundred percent. Again, we're going to emphasize for the third or fourth time in this conversation: if you have food, you're going to have deer. You got the does, you're going to have the bucks. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to talk about you know the alternative season. Wayne, you shot a nice mature doe, and you took your stepdaughter, and you filmed the hunt. And uh, how healthy was that doe? Oh, she was fantastic. Um, that, hence, one of the reasons that I I shot her. But uh, yeah, it was my foster daughter's. Uh, well, daughter we're adopting. Um, uh, it was her first time ever being out in a blind in the woods uh, during a, a, a hunting type of environment, and had her behind the camera. And uh, boy, she laid some good footage down. Um, she had a, a blast. She's hooked. Now she already asked, uh, you know, what she when she can start buying camouflage. So uh, the wife That's lost good. another one. So, <laughs> you know, uh, so, um, and then the, and the following day I had my other foster daughter out and, um, we had some does come in and that, but I was at that point, I was only after one particular doe that I have on camera the last couple of years. It's an old gray doe that has not been producing fawns. And, yeah. uh, th- yeah. she just didn't show up uh, on the last day of the season there, you know, for a uh, rifle, but, yeah. uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, hey, there's still season left. If that if she comes through, I mean, she's one I want to. I would like to get out. She's on my target list. Oh yeah, she's not producing fawns yeah. anymore. So time to get her out of the the herd. So here's my question, Wayne. Yeah, mm-hmm. just do just do me a favor, Wayne. Don't post it on social media so Linda won't get sad. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. Well, my question and I is, but you know, in a, in a, it, being sarcastic towards Linda because if she listens, she'll kill me. Right. Uh, <laughs> she just kind of you know feeding these deer in the yard. And they leave and go over to your place. It just, you know. No, I, you're right. And, you I, and I understand. Yeah, I know. I understand that, too. And, you know, one of the other, the things that we did do with the deer, and that was uh, I took all my kids, um, took all the kids, loaded the, the dough up, and we took it to a local family who had asked, who had been posted a thing asking if anybody had any extra meat they could spare. And uh, so I, yeah. we took it over to them. The kids helped unload it. The kids helped hang it. So they got to learn the importance of, you know, not only harvesting a, a doe and why we harvest does, but the importance of giving back to the community and to, you know, somebody who may Beautiful. really need it for their family. Sharing the harvest. Exactly. It's an important lesson learned, I think, with all the kids there. Yeah. I did have well, one question. Deer man. meat. We could talk forever and ever about deer meat because I love it. It's one of my favorite meats to eat, other than beef, of course, and pork. Uh, it's right up there with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll say Mike, Mike was getting ready to ask place. something here. Go ahead. Yeah, my, my question my question is, you said that your uh, uh, foster daughter now is ready. She's wanting to know when she's going to start getting camo. Right. Is she going to get real camo or is she going to get that pink stuff? <laughs> you know what? Deer don't see pink, so... Hey, whatever gets her into the woods and up in a tree, I'm all for it. So. I'm kidding, of yeah. course. I'm kidding, of course. Yeah. But anyway, uh, to the guys out there still trying to fill a tag or, or harvest, uh, and we just want to touch on it again, if you'll use your, your wise-eye data cams like we are, you can set them in areas where there's clovers, uh, any types of grasses, and uh, these cameras can help you find the spots where you need to set up on for these late season deer, this post rut. And uh, again, the healthier bucks that still want to breed, it's still trickling a little. They'll be coming into these areas where these does are at. You know, in Missouri, it's not legal to hunt over feed, so you can't put out feed legally. 
and we do not promote that. Uh, even though we do promote bug grits, we promote bug grits to help them manage the wildlife to help them through the tough times. So keep that in mind. Do not hunt over feed. It's prohibited in the state of Missouri. Wayne? I agree 100%. Follow the laws. If you don't know the law, look it up. But uh, we do need to go to break now. And when we come back, we have more on the post rut. And we're going to start talking some muzzle loader in our next segment. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Water with Bone Collector. And you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. And my old pair of hunting boots passed on down, planted deep in the ground. Around your heart, so you never gotta worry. Hey guys, it's food plot planting time here in the Ozarks and all across the country. What are you planting this year, Wayne? I'm gonna put some smorgasbord in with a whole lot of clover. You're wait, put wait, some wait, extra wait. clover in it. What? Smorgasbord? What is smorgasbord? Man, it is a variety of annuals and perennials that'll get you through fall time, winter time, and all the way into spring. It's awesome. You want to plant healthier food plots to track all kinds of game? Go to www.eagleseed.com. It's a smorgasbord. You know, we all get tired of certain things. The smorgasbord has everything. Your deer will love it. Eagleseed.com. American Roots. Eagle Seed presents... Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors and to everybody out there that plants food plots. If you planted Eagle Seed Smorgasbord, you know how the deer pound it. They will come to it. It's got 10 different blends of food sources in this uh, smorgasbord. It's got clovers, kale, wheat, uh, black oats, uh, radishes. And I'm telling you, it's just like a smorgasbord restaurant going in there, and these deer will absolutely pound it. And, Wayne, I don't know what your food plots look like. I know you, you let them come back from last year, and you had clovers left over at come back from the year before. Yep. But I know my smorgasbord food plots look like putting greens. They've hit it down so so close to the dirt. Yeah, I've, I've actually got a lot of dirt spots on mine. They uh, I had a lot of clover come back from last year, and then I, I – uh, put down another almost twice the amount of clover called for again this okay. year and it was beautiful it was thick i mean if you've seen pictures on my facebook page it was gorgeous looking but man did they hammer it this year uh, more so i think because there's no acorns and so they had really only one food source to go to well two the buck grits you know during the off season and then the uh, food plots now mm-hmm. yeah well you know Again, we're talking post-rut. We're talking food, 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 food. That's where they're going to be. And uh, I want to say, you know, and I touched on it uh, earlier in the last segment, if you're using your wise-eye data cams, it will collect the data and tell you where the deer are coming. Now, I'm running 13 different cameras right now. And what I do is I strategically move these cameras according to what phase they're in and what's going on. So initially, when I start first of the year, if it's a dry year, I want to set a lot of my cameras on water, mm-hmm. okay, ponds, etc. cetera. Uh, as the fall progresses and we get moisture, et cetera, and my food plots are coming up, then I move the cameras over food plots. So I want to get a wide shot to see how many deer is coming into the food plots. Then as the rut starts to progress and they start showing the rubs and scrapes, I start setting my cameras upon the rub lines or active rubs or community rub or community scrapes. Then as the rut peaks out, then I move my cameras again back to food sources where the does are going to be entrance routes, exit routes coming into food sources. Then post rut here now, I'm going to move the cameras back to getting wide shots of the food plots to show me how many deers come into the food plot at one time. Uh, the most deer that I collect from the wise eye data cams tells me uh, which food plots I need to be focusing on. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, and that's the exact same thing I do with my cameras. I know that Mike does with his, when he does his scouting, moves them according to what's going, what the deer movement is, is predicted to be doing. You know, like you said, whether they're rutting post rut, pre rut, 
Uh, if it's a, a drought, get them on the water holes. I mean, we really pushed that this year of getting them on, the, getting your cameras on the water holes because uh, that's where they were early in the, the early the first two weeks of the season. I had tons of pictures of the water on the watering hole, but then as the rain started coming in more and more, less and less pictures, and then it was time to move them. Yeah, but definitely yeah. Will t- it definitely will tell you where to go if you put your cameras in the right spot, and it also tell you where not to go. You know, because if you got cameras out and like right now I've got six cameras out, but uh, two of them have not produced a picture in three days. Well, guess where I'm not going to yeah. go hunting. You know, I mean, they, they can yeah. tell you, even if they're not taking pictures, they're going to give you information. Yeah. Well, again, you know, when you're using the Wise-Eye data cams and planting the eagle seed food plots, what a great combination. You know, uh, you, you've created something for them to come to, and then you've got the Wise-Eye to collect the data that you need to close the deal. You're not assuming you're going back and referencing to the photos that's collected by the wise eyes. So there's no guesswork in it, you know? Right. So I want to share with everybody right now, I'm not getting a lot of buck pictures right now coming in front of my cameras to the food sources. And I think the reason behind that is I have so much competition with food plots around me. All of my neighbors now are planting a lot of food plots, and they feed. They also feed. And uh, this year, I saw less bucks on our properties here, and you did too, Wayne. Yeah, definitely a lot less. Uh, than I have in years. Yeah, I did. Matter of fact, I didn't even have cruisers coming through this year like I have in the past. Yeah. Well, it don't help you now when you got people sitting on their fence rows yeah, and a uh, vehicle yeah. shooting at them every yeah, day. Well, you know, you know? <laughs> it does scare them away. You know, <laughs> that messes you up too. But uh, yeah, Alex, we got just again is food, 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 and less pressure. And what I do uh, on my property at Redbone uh, Wayne, uh, if I get into a routine, deer are a lot like cattle. If you go to feeding cattle every day at the same time, they know what time you're coming there, okay? And if you do not say your, your cattle know that, that you're safe and you're not bothering them, it's like deer. Deer, if you if you drive into the property at the same time every day and they see that vehicle at the same time every day and there's no shooting or banging, nothing scares them, they get accustomed to that. Get a, great, a good point I want to point out, a reference you know, look at how many deer you've seen in the suburb, suburbs of a town. They get used to vehicles. Yep. But once a vehicle goes to shooting from the road or, or doing anything to threaten them, they get nervous. So you can program these deer by the way you go into your properties, etc. Yeah, I had a discussion today. You were talking about food plotting and, and, and then the neighbors food plotting having lunch with a gentleman today and he said excuse me i said yeah i used to put about an acre and a half food plot in he said but then my neighbor started putting in 10 acres and he said yeah. i just i just quit said, i couldn't compete with it that all the deer were going on to the big food plots and he said they weren't coming into my little food plot so i just stopped hmm. see i was still i still would have kept it going because sometimes those little honey holes especially if they start pressuring their their large food plots over there those deer are going to be wanting to go to an area that's not pressured, and if he's got a little honey hole of a food plot, they're going to start going there. Well, see, that's the thing, though. These these neighbors, and, and they're good people, mm-hmm. uh, they they do everything right. Okay. So everything. it's not like they're inviting 20 guys to no, come no, on no, over and no, let's no. shoot with No, moves. they, they okay. do everything right. They don't overpressure their deer, and they kill a lot of big bucks out of that place. But anyway. Uh, Alex, what was their address? I, I didn't catch that. But. <laughs> it's in Arkansas, Wayne. Oh, okay. Well, you know. In Arkansas, you'd have to buy a whole other tag. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> hey, I do want to say this post rut uh, calling techniques. You want to carry a grunt call with you and some type of rattling device. Uh, again, we like to use rattling bags because you can rattle with one hand and hold your bow in the other or your rifle in the other, and you can you, you won't be detected uh, in movement if you're hunting in a say a tree stand or a ladder stand. You can have they have that that rattling bag to your side. And just use one hand to make a a sparring sounds. And that, right now these bucks are sparring. Believe it or not, they're not actually fighting and fighting because the ruts trickle. You know, trickling very little. But when you create sparring sounds, it creates interest. So I'd be carrying a rattling bag and a grunt call with me, and using just you know contact grunts. 
and it could create interest in any bucks that come into a food plot. One of the biggest, I say the biggest, one of the oldest deer ever killed in my life was in December, late season. There was 30-some does in the food plot, and this big old tall rack deer, you've seen him, Wayne, in, in the cabin. And uh, I killed him, self-filmed it, shooting out of a shooting house. And it was like in the middle of December. And... uh don't give up just because it's late season. Right, exactly. And, and matter of fact, when we come back from break, we're going to talk more about some of the stuff you can do in late season. You you started to cover rattling and, and grunting that, but we got more we can talk about of different techniques, too, when we come back from break. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends. Right here, right now, this is Chancey Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge, the Ozark Herd Bull. Accurate, deadly, dependable, Hornady ammunition. From a two-man operation in 1949 to a world-leading innovator of bullet, ammunition, reloading tool, and accessories design and manufacturer today. Hornady, each piece is hand-inspected to ensure consistency and quality. Ammunition engineered to perform flawlessly, simply put, the best. Hornady ammunition. Find Hornady Ammunition at a retailer near you and at Hornady.com. Bug Grits presents Welcome Back to American Roots Outdoors. Again, we've covered several topics. We talked uh, NFL, we talked high school basketball, we've talked about Food, 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 trickle of the rut, very little trickle I'm seeing here. It should hit again uh, here in the next full moon. It should be t- closer to the end of the month here, and we may see a little bit of rut activity again here. But again, we just want to say food, 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 food. In the last segment, we touched on vocalization and calling techniques. And Wayne, you got some stuff you'd like to share about using decoys. Don't rule out using decoys. No, not at all. And it's funny you had brought up about the uh, the bucks uh, that you're seeing in your yard that have already lost an antler. This time of year, yeah. that's the only kind of decoy I'm going to put out is a buck with one antler. Because mm-hmm. bucks, even the younger ones, they will not have that, that threat of, uh, you know, being attacked or being bullied with, uh, you know, those decoys that sometimes come with pretty large uh um, you know, racks on them, you know, uh, but, uh, you, if you yeah. got with just a one on there, I've noticed just from experience over the years there, they tend to come into that more than they will. If you have both, uh, sides on your decoy, um, that's just my, my, from personal experience, I don't have any science behind that other than I can say the bucks have come in more, um, timid he knows to he those can bully that buck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's going to come in saying, Oh, I'm the aggressor. Not, am I going to be okay if I walk out there? So I, I, that's just my hint uh, to people uh, is to do that. Yeah. If you put a doe decoy, and, and does don't mind a small buck being in the field. They don't. Um, yeah. But if you put a doe decoy out, does can be very edgy with another doe that they're not familiar with because they're, they're not used to that pecking order. And who's this doe? You know, you see that when you with the, the does that come in your yard, Alex. Uh, they've got that pecking order. They know who's allowed to go to the feed first and who's supposed to wait in line. Um, you know, just by observing how they do it. And it's the same thing day in, day in. But if a different doe comes into that area, then they're all like, you know, ears up. They're on alert. They're like, okay, who's this, who's this new gal here? Uh, so if you put a doe decoy out, just keep it in your head. Uh, if you do do that, that, that could cause you problems with the does coming in. If you, especially if you're after a doe, you don't want them to be on alert. But wouldn't you have the same effect for the bucks in the area that don't recognize that doe? Oh, there's a new girl in town. Well, they say they're going to have a different different thought, yeah. <laughs> you know, if there's a new girl in town. But that's what I was saying. If you're after a doe, you probably don't want to put a doe decoy gotcha. out because it could put them on alert. Uh, now, I did have a buddy say he puts his on the opposite end of the field that he's hunting because they'll tend to want to not go near that decoy, you know, that doe decoy, and they'll stay to the other end of the field where he actually has a stand. So he uses it as a strategic point to put out there to drive the deer to where his stand is. But that's that's something he did. I've never never experienced doing that because I never had plots big enough to do that until I moved down here to Missouri. But 
Um, it's something I wouldn't mind trying just to see see what it does. Well, I tell you what, I've seen more deer spook on a doe decoy mm-hmm. than I have a buck decoy. Right. Through my years of decoying deer. Yes. There you go. So. And again, it's using decoys, it's all strategy, uh, being scent free, uh, killing all the odors on your decoy and, and being scent free yourself and using the right cover scents, et cetera, to cover your scent. Again, I'm going to plug Ozonics. They're not a sponsor, but it's one of the greatest tools I've ever seen in uh, covering human scent where you can't be detected. Right. Another thing is I've learned, and you'll notice, I'm going to reference some other people. If you watch any of the hunting shows, juries is a good example. These guys will hunt out of shooting houses. Why do you think they're hunting out of shooting houses? Because these shooting houses contain their scent. Right. And they run ozonics in there. That's what I do. When you and I hunt and film together, Wayne, we run the ozonics. We'll have deer 10 feet of us. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and don't, you know, when using decoys, I just want to touch on this. You want to think safety. Do not be using decoys close to county roads or close to your neighbor's fence if they come by or whatever. Uh, and communicate with your neighbor. If you are going to be using decoys, hey, I've got a decoy set up in this food plot. If you sit when you drive by or whatever, uh, just just know that I'm there, you know. Exactly. So keep that in mind. Yeah, I just, I, I yeah. people just, they when people think decoys, they only think pre-rut most of the time for decoys, but you like calling, you yeah. can do it all year round. I mean, all season long. So don't be afraid of putting one out there even this time of year. Um, Alex, we got muzzleloader coming up here real soon. It's going to be upon us before we know it. Yep, and I'm ready to start shooting my Thompson Center Omega. I'm shooting a 280-grain bullet, and I'm shooting 120 grains of loose powder, triple seven, and that's my setup. I'm shooting a Hornady bullet, and you talk about fun. I've got a, a Leopold scope on my Omega. It's a thumb stock thumb hole stock mm-hmm. and I can shoot a three inch group at 200 yards with this little muzzleloader. Nice. nice. Well, I know so, we're getting ready to go to, uh, our, this ends actually, this ends the show. We're not going to another segment We're we're actually, actually at the end of the show, we got one minute left here. So, uh, to hear more about what we're getting ready to talk about here with black powder and muzzleloader, uh, season coming up, uh, you need to tune into the podcast and to do that, just go to your favorite podcast carrier, type in American roots outdoors, and uh, click like, follow, subscribe, whatever it's asking you to do, and then you'll catch more of the uh, the uh, the show here today. Yeah, and Wayne, aren't we getting real close to the end of the year big giveaway? Yes, we are. We got uh, well, it'll be the last uh, last week of the month, so uh, we'll be drawn on the twenty seventh. Uh, so two more weeks uh, from today. Yeah. We're I recording on a, a Wednesday, but we'll be drawing on the night of the twenty seventh. I want to give a big shout out to Soul Pro Outdoors too. Uh, they're going to be, we're going to lead in the, the bonus segment with Soil Pro, but Soil Pro is why these food plots are staying healthy, too. It's the first time I've ever used it this year, and i got to tell you, I'm impressed. It uh, it kept my food plots green even during the dry times, Redbone Wayne. You saw it mm-hmm. in my uh, wise photos and some of the pictures I've posted. So I want to give a shout-out to those guys. If you want to learn and help your food plots stay healthy, get you some Soil Pro next year in the spring. No doubt. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting mine on this spring, too, because I can't wait to see what it does. Yep. It's good stuff. We're going to go to wrap her up here. And thank you all for listening to this part of the, the show. And for listening to this, so far, you've been listening on your favorite radio station, I'm sure. And with that said, uh, always share the outdoors with somebody. Introduce them to the great outdoors, God's creation. And always remember. When your roots run deep and strong. There is no reason to fear the wind. So you never gotta worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Hey, deer hunters, are you looking for an easy-to-use product to help enhance your food plots and enhance the health of your overall deer herd? You need to check out Soil Pro Outdoors. 
They are the soil health experts. They've developed a revolutionary and groundbreaking approach to taking food plots to the next level. It's easy to use, can be applied with something as simple as a handheld sprayer. Enhance antler size, the health of your herd, and the health of your soil. Soil Pro Outdoors help produce the highest quality forage possible. All natural approach to improving soil health. Find them on Facebook at Soil Pro Outdoors. Soil Pro Outdoors, the soil health experts. From a whippoorwill to an old house who Sitting still till it's time to shoot American roots Take it to a holler Take it to a Soil Pro Outdoors presents Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. This is our bonus segment. If you're listening to this, you're listening to it from your favorite podcast carrier, possibly. And our subject matter this week has been the trickle of the rut, but mainly post-rut, because it's really going into post-rut here in the Midwest, here in south-central Missouri. And again, we touched on, we don't have acres, and we touched on food, food, food. If you've got food plots like Eagle Seed Smorgasbord, and you're feeding deer in a sanctuary where you don't hunt, you're going to hold deer. So it's all a bit about food, hasn't it, Wayne, Redbone? Yeah, especially now that they're needing to uh, recoup from the uh, heavy breeding that they've been doing. Uh, they're, they're after the food. They need to get their. Plus, you got the cold weather coming. They need to fatten back up. Otherwise, we're, if we get a, a severe cold snap and they didn't get a chance to fatten back up, uh, we could lose them that way, too. All it takes is a heavy snowfall too early before they have a chance to recover, and we're going to find dead deer in the spring. Yeah. What I want to talk, touch on, you know, with muzzleloading coming up, and we're going to talk more about muzzleloading the next week's show is uh, I, I think one of the most important things about muzzleloading is having confidence in your muzzleloader. But understanding muzzleloading, understanding how to match the right amount of powder with the right bullet, and uh, also uh, the maintenance of your muzzleloader. And we're going to get uh, a guest next week. We don't know who it is yet to touch on these things, but we can touch on it a little bit now. And I think one of the biggest secrets, and having an accurate muzzleloader is matching everything correctly, guys. Again, that's the right amount of powder, the right bullet, and keeping your 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 muzzleloader barrel clean. And that's a secret right there. Yep, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, and Alex, I saw something today that I'd never thought about, and and it was a gentleman. I'm trying to remember who it was. Somebody that you know uh, were getting their muzzleloader out to <clears throat> to start shooting, and they were shooting. To try and you know make sure it's lined up ready to go hunting, and they weren't getting any consistency, and and they noticed something kind of odd about the shot. What had happened was uh, the little plug where the nipple goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd been shooting yep. the same muzzle loader for like ten years. Well, the hole had gotten bigger. Oh. Every time you shoot it, it expands, it expands expands that hole a little bit, yeah. and that affects the firing line. So we had to put a new, was it a breech plug breech in there? A new breech plug, yeah. yeah I had, had to buy a new breech, breech plug. plug for it. So I thought that was very interesting and something that maybe a lot of folks don't think about. If they, you know, shoot the same muzzleloader for years and years and years, might want to check that breech, cl- breech plug and see. And he had a picture of the new one right next to the old one. Yeah. And you could obviously see that the hole was like twice as big wow. as on the new wow. breech plug. See, we have never covered that in five years of talking muzzleloader. That's one thing we've never, yeah. never, I, yeah. I, that's, I, that's, who that's who cool. would have ever thought that just from shooting it, right. that it would that it would do that to the to the hole in the breech plug? But uh, he said, you know, simple fix: just buy a new breech plug, put it on, and you're good to go. But something people might want to check if they've been shooting the same muzzleloader year after year after year. You know, what my first thought on that is though, Alex, and and that is uh, he lost opportunity he just had. Instead yeah. of buying a new breech yeah. plug, he should have told the wife, I need a new gun. <laughs> hun, hun, they don't sell just breech plugs. You have to buy the whole thing. Well, see, I think <laughs> the, the fact that he's been shooting this same gun for like 12 years tells me, obviously, he really likes He really it. likes that gun. He really yeah. likes that gun. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I can't, I, I, I'm wanting to say the same thing. I've got the same gun for years and years, um, and I, I love it. Alex keeps trying to buy one of my favorite guns off me, and they ain't. I keep, I, I keep telling him it's not happening yet, but he's asking the wrong person. If he asked Renee, like when I'm in Tennessee or something, she he might have a new gun. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for letting me know that. Way. Yeah. Yeah. 
But uh, you know, Alex, you you had told us what you like to shoot, and that, and now my personal preference is the uh, I shoot a Traditions muzzle loader, and it's uh, I shoot the uh, Hornady bore driver, two ninety grain, and I use also triple seven, but I use the pellets. And I know you guys, uh, I think both use the uh, powder because it burns hotter. Uh, but I've just yeah. found with my experience, and this goes back to how you said before, know your gun, know what shoots best. Uh, the pellets shoot great for me. And um, although wow. this year I'm thinking of switching from the board driver uh, to the, uh, uh, what is it? The, shoot, I'm drawing a blank. Um, the SST um, yes, from Hornady because yeah. it's for long range. Well, I've only, I've only shot the board driver because in Ohio, where I did all my most of my muzzle loading for my whole life, uh, I never had a food plot to hunt on. Everything was in the woods. So I mean, the furthest shot I ever had with my muzzle loader was forty yards, fifty yards at the most. Yeah. Um, now that I've got yeah. food plots, I can shoot a hundred, hundred twenty, hundred fifty yards. And today's muzzle loaders, of course, I mean that's just you know that's nothing. Yeah. Well, you want to shoot the SST? That's what I've been shooting for the last well several years now. The SST is a, a excellent long range uh, bullet for your muzzle loader, mm-hmm. and it, it's very accurate bullet. Yeah, I may, I may, I may try that out this year. Uh, I've just it's hard to get away from something that's been so successful for you, you know, because you just you, you're comfortable with it, you got the confidence with it, and that bore driver. I've always liked it because when I dig the the uh, the, the the pellet out of it, uh, it's amazing that that polymer tip, how it pushes in and then it gives you almost like a perfect expansion and uh, boy, does it do some damage inside, but I've heard nothing but great things from people who shoot that SST like you. Yeah. Well, I want to share a tip with people and this is a big mistake. A lot of people make and they think, man, I can't get any accuracy out of this bullet. And the mistake a lot of people make is the, the ramrod They'll tap and tap and tap and tap with their ramrod to seat that bullet in there. And what they're doing, they're deforming some of those bullets. Mm. And if you cause flat spots in your bullet, your bullet will not fly true. Yeah, you're not getting a good spin on it. And these bullets are not made out of uh, cast iron, right? (laughs) Yeah. But what happens is you cause flat spots, the bullet will not spiral and be as accurate. It's got drag, right? And the drag by tapping that with a ramrod, depending on the bullet, of course, can deform the bullet and cause it to not fly right. Yeah. So pay attention to that. What I do, I don't tap mine. What I do is I use bore butter. I pour in my 120 grains of powder, and uh, then I seed it. Then I take and put my bullet in. Uh, behind my powder mm-hmm. and I shove it down slowly until it seats. I don't ever tap my bullet. You'll know when it seats. You can't push it any further. Right. Yeah. The muzzleloader's a lot of fun. I haven't killed a deer in the last few years with a muzzleloader because I've usually tagged out one now. This year, I have not tagged out. I've passed a lot of bucks up, several bucks. Just not seeing the buck I want to kill. Even though I've had mature bucks in front of me, I just want to shoot something bigger this year, guys. That's yep. the reason I'm holding out. Yep, same here. A lot of seeing a lot of great bucks that we can look at and say, "Man, in two more years, he's going to be great yeah. on the wall." But yeah. uh, just nothing for yeah. this year. I mean, it's just been an odd year for us this year. But like you said, neighbors are planning, so it's kind of holding bucks in a different area and the does and that. So, but we'll see. We'll see how next year goes. And you know, I, I just. I just thought of something. I saw a social media post today, and I've got to share this with you. If you guys haven't seen it, I shared it on our American Roots page. Uh, there's this young man. I say young man. He may have been 20. I don't know. And and, and I, I want to be careful how I say this. Uh, he's a little different, this young man is. And he's, you know, uh, he gets out of the truck, and he's hollering, Donnie! I got him. Donnie, I got him. You got to see my buck, Donnie. You got to see my buck. And I had him in the back of a UTV. He's telling him, back up here, back up here. Show him, show him my buck. Show him my buck. 
And when they dropped the tailgate, he killed him a nice eight point, and the crowd just erupted at the meat processing plant for this young boy. And, uh, you know, it hit me. And I looked at that young boy, and I thought, you know, that's really takes me back to when I was a kid. I was so proud of what I, the buck I killed. It, it, it made me so proud, and I proved the point that I can deer hunt. And that's really what deer hunting's about. It's not about who really kills the biggest buck, even though we're competitive. It's about the memory you made and it made you excited. And, and seeing that young man with a disability so proud of his deer, it actually made me tear up. It made me realize sometimes we take too many things for granted. Uh, we need to slow down, stop, and look back to why we really hunt. Mm -hmm. And that really opened my eyes, guys. Yeah, I, I always think back to, to my uncle when I first started hunting, and and then there was a little family competition who could, you know, get the most points. And I was like, well, I'm just getting started. I'm not even going to get into this point thing. And he yeah. says, you know, we just do that for fun. He said, you kill whatever you want to kill. He said, if it yeah. makes you happy when it walks out, you shoot it. Don't worry about what anybody else says. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And we stress that all the time on this show. It's not about size and, and points and, uh, you know, gross scores. And did I make the Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young? But yeah. did it make you smile? Did it make your kids smile? You know, did you have that bonding moment? Yeah. Even if you didn't even pull the trigger, did you have that bonding moment that you experienced in the blind or up in the stand with that child? I mean, to me, like I said, I, I got the one, I got the doe with the one daughter, uh, you know, um, our new daughter. And then the next day we didn't get a doe, but I had just as much fun because it was her first time behind a camera, 11 years old. She had a blast and she was quiet. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I liked. <laughs> Yeah, She's we learning early. <laughs> we really lose focus when we get in this competitive game. And and, and I'm going to say it, it becomes all about money. If you've got the money, you can hold the most deer and grow the biggest deer, et cetera. And it really should be about the memories being made and the excitement of somebody's first deer. And, and the reason I deer hunt is because I love the thrill of it. And I love to eat it. And uh, I love to share it with people. And that's why I want to encourage people to deer hunt. And the trophy's in the eyes of the beholder. But, and again, in the same sense, if you want to shoot bigger deer, you got to let them grow to be big, you know. Uh, if I'm going to shoot a deer to eat, I'm going to shoot a young doe, you know. Right. Uh, but I just wanted to hold out for a bigger deer, you know. But if I see a cold deer, a mature deer, I've killed more coals on my farm than I have big deer. Mallory killed the biggest deer we've ever killed in our lives on our property, Wayne. Redbone, you know that. Yep. Hey, Alex, we are, I hard. I look up at the time and I can't believe we were actually out of time. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, we're out of time. I, I thought we had more what time going show. on here. Yeah. And we're going to get people fired up for mother load. We want to see people out there mother load, and we need to help get our doe numbers down uh, all across the country. We encourage you to go out and shoot does and uh, respect landowners. Don't hunt the fence rows and, and don't disrespect your, your, your neighbors. Be a good neighbor. And uh, remember, share the outdoors with kids. It's God's creation. And it's not about who can kill the biggest deer. It's, it's about making memories and getting excited and sharing the harvest with others. And uh, that being said, always remember. When your roots run deep and strong. There's no reason to fear the wind. Across the creek up a big old hill. Year after year, got my hunting gear. And my old pair of hunting boots. Passed on down, planted deep in the ground around your heart, so you never gotta worry.